भद्रम करने भी श्रेणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्ये माक्ष स्वस्तिनोस्पतिर्दू शांति 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 Om, O gods, may we hear auspicious words with our ears while engaged in sacrifices. May we see auspicious things with our eyes while praising the gods with steady limbs. May we enjoy a life that is beneficial to the gods. May Indra of ancient fame be auspicious to us. May the all-knowing Pusha, God of the earth, be propitious to us. May Garuda, destroyer of evil, be well disposed towards us. May Brihaspati ensure our welfare. Om, peace, peace, peace. We are um, studying the Mundaka Upanishad. And uh, we are in the first section of the second chapter. Upanishad has three chapters. We are in the first section. Each chapter has two sections. We are in the first section of the second chapter. We are almost done. What is um, What was going on here? how the entire universe emerged from Brahman, uh, how the many came from the one, uh, how Brahman appeared as this entire universe. And why would we be interested in such a thing? Because the original question was, what is that served by knowing which one can know everything? And the answer is that by knowing the cause, one can know the effect. By knowing the material out of which something is built, one can know the um, products. That is, like by knowing clay, one can know what all clay pots are, really speaking. Um, by knowing water, one can know what all, you know, waves and foam and bubbles are, really speaking, and so on. Um, a wide variety of ornaments, maybe they're golden ornaments, but if you know that they are gold, so we know what they truly are. So in that sense, so if when we know Brahman, we know everything, because Everything has come from Brahman. So this is the connection. If you know the cause, you know all the effects. The question was, how do we know everything? And so everything, all of this is the effect, is the product of what? Of one thing. And that one thing is Brahman. And so when, once we know that, we, know, we have the answer to, you know, by knowing what do you know everything. So now he has been, the Upanishad has been trying to show that everything has come from Brahman. And the way it was done was, if you remember, um, you know, um, from the um, one Brahman, from one existence consciousness place, the five elements came from that the entire physical universe was produced. Our subtle universe of mind and senses was produced from that uh, alone. And then it talked about a cosmic person consciousness associated with the entire cosmos. If you remember, you know, the sun and the moon are the eyes and so on and so forth. Then it spoke about the uh, the cycle of birth and death. If you remember the five fires, um, then it spoke about the emergence of Vedic rituals, Karmakanda, all kinds of yajnas. Again, all of it from the same one Purusha. Um, in the eighth mantra, we are going to see 
how our individual experience has come from that one purusha, from that one consciousness. What is our individual experience? The kind of experience we are having now. We are seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, talking. Um, this life, this sensory life which we are leading now, our the very experience of life itself. So how has that come from? Um, the uh, ultimate reality from Purusha, from Brahman. This is the eighth mantra. And it's put in a very, uh, very ancient stylistic way. So one has to interpret it. One has to have a little bit of an introduction to it. Then only it will make sense. But it's a very beautiful mantra in a certain sense. Let me just uh, read the mantra and then I'll explain. Eighth mantra. Sapta prana prabhavanti tasmat. Saptarchisha samidas saptahomaha. Sapta ime loka yeshu charanti prana. Guhashaya nihita sapta sapta. You can hear the rhythm in the in the mantra itself. What it says is this. From that Purushat and that, that ultimate reality emerge the seven sense organs, the seven flames, the seven kinds of fuel, the seven oblations, and these seven seats where move the sense organs that sleep in the cavity and have been deposited by God in groups of seven. What's all that about? Obviously, it has something to do with the number seven. But now the general idea is this. First, we'll get the idea, then we will get to the mantra itself. What is what is the uh, the subject here? The subject is our experience of life that has come from the ultimate reality, pure consciousness, from Purusha, from Brahman. Now, how how is our experience of life um, possible? How does it work? We see, hear, smell, taste, touch. So this is our sensory life. This is what is being talked about, and the way it is being talked about is using the paradigm of the Vedic fire sacrifice. So they have, this was very obvious for them because this is the context. It's a Vedic context. What was most obvious for them, just like for modern Hindus, it's a temple, deity, and puja. Uh, for the ancient Vedic Hindus, it was the, the yagya, the fire sacrifice. So that format is used. It's they are not actually talking about a fire sacrifice, but the format is used. The paradigm is used. So it's like this. We have five senses. The, the sense uh, organs. Uh, so we have five sense organs, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and skin. And these five sense organs have five powers. So eyes have the power of seeing, ears have the power of hearing, nose has the power of smelling, tongue of tasting, and skin of touch. Then there are corresponding to these five sense organs and, the, and their five powers, there are five objects. So the five objects are forms, like color, shape, which the eyes can see. So the eyes can exercise their power of seeing and illumine forms. Then there is um, sound. So the ears can use the power of hearing and they reveal to us sounds. Sound is the second sense object. Similarly, there is um, smell or fragrance, odor. That is the object for the nose. And the nose can use its power of smelling to sense these odors or fragrances. Then there is um, the, uh, you know, uh, the tongue 
we can taste flavors. So flavors are the uh, sense object with, for the tongue. And the power which enables the tongue to sense the flavors is the power of tasting. And then there is touch. So hard, cold, pressure, all of these things. And the, the source, the, the uh, so that is the object. And the sense organ for that is the skin. So now visualize, what do we have? We have five sense organs, five kinds of powers, and five objects for these sense organs. And just by the way here, someone might, you know, think that this is very anthropomorphic. It's, I mean, uh, like a, you know, an electric eel has another kind of sense organ, a bat, another echolocation, a kind of sense organ. But what about them? Those are not included here. Remember, the whole thing is a pathway leading us to enlightenment. So it's designed around us so that it, we can be guided back to our real nature. It's no use trying to describe the sense organs of an octopus, though it might be fascinating, but as an exercise in biology, but not for enlightenment. You know, we're talking about our enlightenment here. So our equipment is being described. Then we have the contact um, between these uh, sense, or, uh, sense objects and the sense organs. Um, and so, so what we have are that these five factors. What are the five factors? One is the uh, five sense organs. The second is their powers, individual powers. The third is um, the set of objects which they can reveal, the five sense objects. And then there is uh, the, um, the, the uh, contact between these um, um, sense objects and the sense organs, giving rise to experiences. And then there is another factor there that is uh, the, the physical location of these sense, sense organs. So when we say indriya, the indriyas, the eyes and ears, they don't literally mean these physical eyes. So these are powers we reside in our subtle body. If we remember the, the Vedantic um, psychology, so the powers of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, they are all powers of our subtle body, not our physical body. But they require the physical instruments. So the power of seeing is in your subtle body, sukshma sharira. But it requires the physical eyes. Uh, the power of hearing is something that you have in your subtle body, but it requires the physical ears. So you have a set of um, physical organs. So the ears, the nose, the eyes and tongue, the actual physical organs. So now you have these, um, these five factors. Uh, and these five factors, they interact together to produce our experience. Continue. Right, right now they are working, these five factors. Your eyes are um, the power of seeing. The, 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 uh, the instrument of seeing are the eyes. And they are located in the physical, these physical eyes. And, and there's, of course, a physical uh, uh, structure behind the eyes, including nerves and so many things, going back to the brain centers. And they have their objects, the forms which they see. They have a certain power. Um, and then there is a contact between the objects and the senses. So this whole system, this, this whole um, activity with its five factors, sense organ, 
power of sense organ, sense object, contact of sense organ and sense object, and the physical equipment where it is all happening. Um, all of these together, these five, give us this tremendous activity of our sensory experience of the world. And this thing is imagined as or visualized or represented as a fire sacrifice. So the sense objects as if are they are being poured into the fire of your sense organs. Your eyes are a kind of fire. Your ears are, your tongue and the nose are a kind of fire in which are being continuously poured the, the respective objects of um, color and shape and sound and taste and smell and touch. These are uh, objects like ghee being poured into the um, sacrificial fire. So this is the whole background. And uh, what's the point here? The point is all of these have come from that ultimate reality, which is existence consciousness from that Purusha. This is the point. Now, a twist is this. I said five sense organs, there are five powers, but here everything is seven. Why seven? So this is the thing. We have gone back to the source. These are the sources of Vedanta, the Upanishads. And each Upanishad has its own style, its own way of presenting things. Often, you know, so what we read as Vedanta in the later texts, like Vedanta Sara, are highly systematized. They are a very neat kind of system. But the original building materials are these. And the rishis, they presented it in a uh, semi-poetic uh, fashion. They had their own style. So here, instead of talking about five sense organs, the rishi is just looking at your face and saying, so there are seven. I see two eyes and two nostrils and two ears and one tongue. That's seven. Two, four, six, and uh, the tongue is seven. The tongue is both skin and taste. The nose is smelling. The eyes are seeing. Ears are hearing. So all five sense organs, but working through seven. And uh, whatever is going into each of these seven uh, apertures, uh, is a kind of oblation, a kind of offering into, into those uh, apertures. Uh, so everything is seven. Now when we read, we'll see. Sapta prana, here prana again, all these things have to be, uh, have to be understood in context because everywhere the words are used differently. Here prana means the sense, or, sense organs. So the seven organs of sense or the seven indriyas, sapta prana. Here prana does not mean prana, it means eyes and ears and the, you know the powers of seeing and all of that prabhavanti tasmat tasmat from that from that ultimate reality the five sense organs have emerged or appeared a little interlude here one might think yeah poetically fine but you know it's a little weird you're talking at one level about pure being existence consciousness bliss and suddenly you're talking about seeing and smelling and hearing and isn't this a bit of a jump um not really think about what happens in our dreams you fall asleep your eyes are closed your ears are not hearing uh, i mean you're not hearing what's going on in the room you're not seeing you're not feeling the touch of the your comfortable uh, nice bed uh, so all of these things you're not feeling and yet in your dream a dream world appears 
and there in the dream you don't feel you don't think that i, I can't see or oh, my eyes must be closed i'm sleeping that's why i can't see no you feel you are seeing you are you are, you are having a very sensory experience in the dream where did those senses come from in the dream they are not physical senses of the physical body so they have come they are mind born the mind has created it the mind is just projected it's like a, a virtual reality in which you have virtual senses but they all serve the same purpose of seeing hearing smelling tasting touching all of that anyway so from pure consciousness have emerged these five senses but here spoken of as seven then what saptarchishaha so archisha is the flames which you see in the homakunda where the sacrificial fire is lit that's uh, those are flames the flickering flames there this is you see the poetry here um last time somebody pointed out that the idea of the five fires talking about reproduction the human reproduction and the life cycle it does not seem very logical true what seems logical comes much later all of these have been worked into a logical system but i think there is a beauty in this kind of presentation there is um, a direct freshness a poetry in this later on you might systematize into a neat logical uh, framework i think that loses a kind of power uh, here instead of talking about uh, five senses here talks about the seven senses and which are like fires so each of the senses is like a flickering flame saptar shisha saptar shisha the seven bright flickering flame what is he talking about the powers of these two here the powers of these two these two and the power of this these are flames and then what is happening samida saptahomaha and seven kinds of oblations are poured into these fires forms are entering into these two fires sounds are entering into these two fires um, the tastes and touch are entering into this fire in the mouth uh, smells and odors are entering into these two fires so this is a way of looking at it and visualize it it's it's very um, you know very uh, very sensory what is going on here it's not so abstract actually so the seven flames are flickering here and seven kinds of uh, oblations are being poured continuously sapta ime loka yeshu charanti prana and these five uh, these seven have their seven physical locations these are the physical locations of the sense the uh, sense organs this one this one two three four five six seven these are the seven physical locations saptaime loka yeshu charanti prana guhashaya where where do they stay so these are they all collect together and sleep in this physical body and they they become dormant when you go to sleep guhashaya literally means they sleep in the cave sleep these powers they sleep these capacities they sleep in this physical body when you are asleep nihita sapta sapta thus in groups of 7 and 7 have been placed these powers these capacities by the lord by brahman where in this body for you the sentient being to enjoy to use to deploy um, but here in the language of this mantra to perform these seven kinds of fire sacrifices continuously okay now i'm sure you you feel the the kind of there's a rhythm to it there's a power there's a fresh visualization to it uh, it's not the later the systematization the neat geometric presentation that comes later but here it is uh, 
uh, it's a kind of free thinking based on our experience, very poetic expression of just describing our experience. Mm. Then, having described the individual experience, now the Rishi goes in this mantra, the ninth mantra goes to the, cos the, the macrocosm, mountains and rivers and seas, all of those will now come. Ninth mantra. Ata samudra girayascha sarve asmat syandante sindhava sarvarupaha atascha sarva oshadhayorasascha yenesha bhutais tishthate yantaratma is describing the external world and also our physical and subtle bodies. This is a kind of completion. He has come to the absolute physical gross world which is surrounds us. From that Brahman, that from that Purusha Brahman emerge all the oceans, Samudra, Giraya, the mountains, the mountain ranges have come from that. The Syandante Sindhava. Sindhu is means river. The, all the rivers, the great rivers of uh, uh, of uh, India. See, many of these were probably, you know, for the first time, given out in the land of the five rivers, Punjab. So the great rivers, Chandante, they flow. He literally says, from Brahman flow these rivers. We say, no, they come from the Himalayan. <laughs> they say, no, from Brahman they flow these rivers. Chandante, they flow. The great rivers flow from Brahman. So from him emerge all the oceans and all the mountains. From him flow the uh, rivers of various forms. Him because it's um, Purusha is in the, uh, uh, you know, the, the male gender. But it does not mean a man. It means that ultimate reality. Flow the rivers of various forms. And from him issue all the corns. That means all the grains and crops and rice, as well as the extract of these. That means what is when you when human beings eat these these crops, these grains. So the the vital essence which is extracted from them, rasaha, by virtue of which the internal self verily exists in the midst of the elements. Bhutais tishthate antaratma. Antaratma, the inner self here does not mean atma, pure consciousness. Here it means our subtle body. The mind, the intellect, the 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 pranic uh, body, um, so all of that together, the the pranamaya kosha, manomaya kosha, vijnanamaya kosha. So this one exists in the body. How? Why? Because it's held together by food. So the subtle body, which does not, which is not born at the birth of this body, and which does not die at the death of the body, which undergoes transmigration from birth to death, and then again new births. But why does it reside here in this body? Because it's living and it's sustained by food. If you, if the the extract of the plants, if the um, nature did not sustain it, in that case, these bodies would die, and the subtle body wouldn't die. It would leave this physical body and go. What is which is what happens at death. So the meaning of this mantra is that um, here, surrounding you, the vast oceans. All these oceans have come from Brahman. All these mighty mountain ranges which you which you see have come from Brahman. On the rivers which sustain you, they, they flow from Brahman. Also that which sustains you, your crops, uh, your uh, plants, 
that they they uh, uh, they arise from brahman and the nutritive extract the rasa of these crops these plants uh, they sustain you so that you can stay uh, in this physical body you means your subtle body can stay in this physical body basically they sustain this is a poetic way of saying they sustain life this brings to an end uh, the theme of this chapter what is the theme of the chapter from that one reality has come this entire universe now the next mantra the 10th one is the point of this entire chapter so what and what are we supposed to do with all of this a very very important mantra which is coming up um so before launching into the 10th mantra i'll take a quick step back and review this particular chapter what did we get in this chapter a quickly run through it paint the picture for us so that we are ready to go into the 10th mantra so from mantra 1 of this sec this first chapter of the second uh, first section of the second chapter from mantra 1 to mantra 9 i'll run through it very fast in mantra 1 we saw yatha sudipta pavaka visfulinga so there is one akshara there is one ultimate reality um which like from a blazing fire as thousands of sparks emerge from a well kindled bonfire as thousands of sparks emerge from that so this multifarious these uh, um all these entities this entire universe has emerged from one reality and we know why this is very important for the logic of this upanishad because it has to be traced back to one underlying substantive reality but that one reality brahman purusha akshara atma whatever you call it what is it in itself quite apart from this universe by itself what is it the second mantra tells us divyo hyamutta purushah sabahyabhyantaro hyajah apprano hyamana shubhro yaksharat paratapparah it is pure consciousness divya it shines uh, it is formless it is uh, um it is inside the inner reality but it pervades all of the the external reality also it is unborn it is not born with the birth of the body it does not die with the death of the body um it is not the physical body it is not the prana it is not the mind it is not the intellect it is not even the causal body it's not the physical body subtle body causal body it's the witness of all of these it is formless it cannot be described by language it is the subject of all things the witness of all never the object so utterly beyond utterly transcendent beyond all our um, uh, objectification we cannot objectify in any way through language or through concepts and yet yet it is our innermost self because it is pure consciousness it's there it's because of that we are able to experience all this if it were only just transcendent beyond everything we would have no way of saying anything about it but it's beyond everything and yet it is you it's literally you so it is transcendent and immanent then from number 3 onward num the mantra number 3 says etasmad jayate prano mana sarvendriyani cha from this utterly non -ob object pure subject pure consciousness from this uh, comes the five elements and she says vayu jyoti rapa prithivi and the uh, sky and uh, air and fire and water and earth 
from that um, comes our uh, subtle elements compose our minds our prana our physical bodies all of them emerge from that this entire universe is composed of the five what is this universe it is uh, uh, earth and water and fire and air and space so the five elements now you have the universe and next you see fourth one a magnificent description agni murdha chakshushi chandra suryo vishwa shrotre dishashrotre now the entire universe becomes the body of this consciousness here see for yourself this cosmic being the heavens are the head of this cosmic being. The sun and the moon are the eyes of this cosmic being. You know, the sun in the daytime and the moon at nighttime. The ten directions are the ears of that cosmic being. The Vedas are the speech of this cosmic being. Which cosmic being? That pure consciousness, which is not body, not mind, not prana, not intellect, beyond thought, beyond language, pure awareness only. That itself is here. Look at it. It is cosmos. Imagine it as one gigantic person, the cosmic person. This is what is going on in the 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Then he goes on to more details. Then the fifth mantra. Sentient beings. We are in this cosmos. There are many of us, billions and billions of us. And we are continuously undergoing birth and death. How? Do you remember the five fires which was introduced? Number of, uh, mantra number five. Tasmat Agni Samido Yasya Surya Somat Pajanya Oshadaya Prithibhyam Puman Retas Sinchati Yoshitayam Bhavvi Praja Purushat Samprasuta From uh, the fire, a funeral fire where the body is sacrificed. The subtle body, it goes to the heavens, uh, from the uh, heavens it goes to clouds and from clouds by rain comes down to the earth and it is born as um, food, you know, the crops and all taken in and then it goes to the uh, father, then the mother and then becomes reborn as a baby. So the five fires, this cycle of birth and death. Then the sixth one, it says, the Vedic uh, sacrifice where he talks about the sacrificial of, of fire, the initiation into the sacrifice, the um, the three kinds of Vedas, the Rig Veda, Sama Veda, Yajur Veda, the uh, various kinds of uh, things which are used in a Vedic sacrifice, all of them have come from Brahman. And then number seven, what we just did, all our sensory faculties is uh, imagined as a sacrificial oblation, you know, of uh, forms into eyes and uh, sound into ears and all of these are imagined as fires with flames and in which you are pouring it. All of this comes from that Brahman, our individual experience of this world. And then finally, the eighth mantra we saw, the physical world with its mountains and rivers and uh, oceans uh, and uh, these physical bodies with the, with the subtle body inside sustained by food, all of it has come from that Brahman. Good. Now we are ready to move on to the final mantra of this section and see what all, what all this is in aid of. Um, mantra number 10. Purusha evedagum vishwam karmatapo brahma paramritam 
एतद्यो वेद निहितं गुहायां सो विद्या ग्रंथीं विकिरती हसौम्या the purusha alone is all this comprising karma and knowledge knowledge actually literally it means meditation here he who knows this supreme immortal brahman existing in the heart destroys here the knot of ignorance o good looking one is always translated somya is translated as good looking one but the um that the intended meaning is um wholesome one is good looking in the sense of a um, i mean this is the sense in which the word somya is used in indian languages bengali and many other indian languages all right so the teacher is uh, saying this to the student remember teacher is the rishi the student is shalnaka and teacher says that um, all of this purusha evedagam uh, vishwam this entire universe is nothing other than that pure consciousness see this is what was established by showing that from that one um, reality like a thousands of sparks emerging from a bonfire this entire universe of millions and millions of entities sentient beings their bodies the food they eat the worlds that they inhabit all of them have emerged like sparks from fire like that from brahman so just as all the fire sparks are nothing but fire similarly everything here is that purusha is that existence is that consciousness the cause continues in the effect the clay continues in all the pottery gold continues in all the ornaments brahman that purusha continues in this entire universe purusha eva idam vishwam see this is grounded in this experience idam vishwam this world look at this world what is this world now we realize it is purusha what look at all these ornaments necklaces uh, bracelets um, tiaras and uh, uh, rings now we realize they are all the same gold they are that same reality look at all the variety of waves they are that all that same water similarly the entire universe now we have seen thanks to this chapter where everything has been traced back has been shown to be originating from that one um, uh, everything is that purusha that existence consciousness idam vishwam this here here i remember i was uh, speaking with a um, leading intellectual one of the leading minds of our time and um, she's an emeritus professor here at, at columbia university and not one to at all pander to any kind of religious sentiment so she said to me you are allowed to speak only of what is here ekhane ja ekhane ache maharaj in bengali she told me that uh, what is here speak only of that that means you are not allowed to speak of heaven god and all that i don't believe in all that look at the upanishad idam vishwam here here what you are seeing smelling tasting touching what you are thinking remembering imagining what is spread out before you as mountains and rivers and ocean eh? uh, as the hudson river here as the sky above in manhattan as your columbia university and butler library around you here we are talking about this idam vishwam purusha eva it is only existence it is only consciousness with a network of names and forms but that alone is, is all this just as if you go to 
Tiffany's shop and say all of these uh, dazzling array of golden ornaments, gold only, gold only. This entire array of products is gold only. This entire array of pottery and pottery barn, assuming they're all clay pots, they are clay only. All the waves in the Hudson River, water only. Similarly, Purushayeva, Idam Vishwam. Not by stipulation. One must try to understand that this is what is appearing as this world. Just like in the world of our dreams, when we wake up, what do we realize? Whatever was there, Idam Vishwam, Swapna Vishwa, there's the world of our dreams. The, uh, the people and the places and the activities and the sky and the earth and the rivers and the mountains, everything that we saw in that dream, mind only. It is mind only which appeared as all of that. Similarly, it is consciousness only which is appearing as all of these. Little technical note here, Vishwa, world or universe, how, how is it defined? Is it again a Vedic kind of looking way of looking at it? Karma tapo, karma tapaha. It is the result of our karma. So whatever we see as this, this world is the result of karma. Uh, our past karma has given us this world which we are experiencing now. Uh, this is the karma phala. What is this karma tapa here? Little Vedic references here. It is refers back to the earlier portion of the Vedas. Remember, this is Upanishad, Jnana Kanda, the knowledge portion. The earlier portion is the karma kanda, the ritualistic portion, which was referred to early in one of the earlier sections in the Mundaka Upanishad itself. So the ritualistic portion of the Vedas actually has two portions. Karma Upasana. Karma Upasana. Karma means the actual physical rituals. Upasana are the various meditations uh, which go along with those physical rituals. So, Vedas actually have three sections. Kanda Trayatmakam. Um, the three Kandas or three sections of the Veda. Karma, physical rituals, actually physically performed rituals. Uh, upasana, uh, which is mental visualizations which accompany these rituals. And then finally, jnana, uh, knowledge, knowledge of Brahman, of the Atman, which is the Upanishad which we are doing now. So when he says, what is this world? This world is karma and tapa. Whatever rituals have been done and whatever visualizations have been performed, they have resulted. The result is the world you have got now. He's talking to a pious Vedic person, Shaunaka. Remember, he has been performing lots of Vedic rituals and all. And his firm belief is, by these Vedic rituals, I will, after death, I will go and enjoy heaven. And after that, I'll be reborn in some favorable circumstance in the world. Your world is a product of your past Vedic actions. This is the Vedic paradigm. If you want to make it a little more modern, your world is a product of your karma. Karma, karma phala. Cause and effect. Action and consequence. For example, the Buddhists would not think in this form of uh, Vedic ritualism and Vedic visualization giving rise to a world. But they would definitely agree with uh, karma giving rise to this world. Cause and effect. So, given these causes, this world arises. If these causes were not there, these effects would not be there. That's what is meant here. Make it even more philosophical. What he is saying is, this is a universe of causality. This is a universe of causality. So, Vishwam Karma Tapo. 
and he says purusha that purusha what is that purusha brahma that is brahman that is existence consciousness bliss paramritam parama amritam two things have been said here and the ultimate reality and the eternal the immortal reality two aspects so when you say parama there is some ultimate reality ultimate reality means the cause is the ultimate reality effects are the relative reality why because the effects come and go notice certain things about the cause and effect keep in mind gold and ornament or clay and pots and then we'll understand brahman and this world a certain interesting aspects one is the cause is always there the effects come and go it was a lump of clay clay was there then it was shaped into pots by the potter on the potter's wheel and the clay was there then it was burnt and baked in fire and became a pot a usable pot and you can call it a pot now before that when you shaped it on the potter's wheel it was still soft right and then you baked it and now it's it's usable as a pot the clay is there but the pot was not there earlier now the pot has come after some time if you break it it will become pot shards a broken pottery but the clay is there so the cause remains always so the cause is eternally there the effects come and go similarly he says brahman is that which is always there the effect what is the effect this world it comes and goes where does it come and go from it comes in the cause and goes back into the cause where did the waves come from from water where do they exist in water where will they go back into the water we normally say there is as if there is a wave and there is water in the wave but actually what is happening is the wave it, the water itself appears as the wave the wave name and form and activity exists in the water without water no you know the name and form and activity are ghosts without the reality behind them to back them up without the water where is the water form it disappeared where is the wave form sorry without the water where is the wave form without the clay where is the form of the pot won't disappear do you think some ghostly round pot will exist if you pull the clay out of it no nothing will exist the names and forms are ghosts but they depend on the clay they depend on the water they depend on the gold so the higher reality is being itself or consciousness itself in that appears a network of um, names and forms and activities which we call the universe so that is why parama the cause is parama higher it is always there effects come and go and the effects come and go or appear and disappear in the cause another interesting thing the cause is always one the effects can be many out of the same lump of clay how many kinds of pots can be produced many kinds of pots can be produced out of the same gold how many kinds of ornaments can be produced many many kinds the same bit of gold is the ring on your finger it can be melted and made into uh, a necklace it can be melted uh, and made into uh, earrings it can be melted and made into a tiara look at the names um, necklace and ring and tiara and um, uh, bracelet look at the forms the ring looks like this the necklace looks like looks like this the earrings uh, looks like um, uh, another kind so the, the forms change the names change the use changes you put the ring in your finger you put the bracelet on your wrist you put the necklace on your neck and so nama rupa vyavahara keeps changing 
So the products are many, many, many and diverse. So many names, so many look appearances and so many uses. And yet in all of them, the cause, the material cause, the karana is one. Same gold, same gold, same Brahman. Look at the variety. Look at the variety around you. It's easy to understand this if you look at the mind. It's the same mind in your dream. It can become a man and a woman and a, um, a building and a sky and uh, uh, rivers and oceans. It can be, become uh, love and hate and it can become um, anxiety and fear. Same mind. Cause is one. Effects are many. So, there's another interesting thing about cause and effects. Effect cause is parama, higher, um, transcendent, ultimate. Effects are lower or relative. Another thing is, um, the cause is, is the essence. The cause is the reality, satyam. This is an Advaitic ins insight. This requires a lot of thinking. Uh, I'll just leave it here. And we have mentioned it many times. When you think about it, it is only the cause which is ever there. It only appears as its effect. So, in the wave, what is only there is water. There is a new activity. There is a new form and a new name. But the substance is still the same. This new form, new activity and new name which you call a wave cannot exist apart from the water. It is nothing but the water. And yet it appears entirely different. And it, and it does new things. And it's called by a new name. Wave. So, the water satyam, wave mithya. Mithya doesn't mean doesn't exist. It means it's a dependent reality. It's not an independent reality. Brahma satyam, jagat mithya. The Brahman is the reality. The world is an appearance. This is another thing to keep in mind. For all these reasons, that, are, that cause is, uh, um, it goes on, it exists, always there, eternal. Effects come and go. Then um, the cause is one. Effects are many. The cause is the reality. The effect is the appearance. For these reasons, Paramam Brahma, this Purusha Brahman is Paramam. It is uh, the ultimate reality. The world is a relative reality. The Brahman is one. The world is many. The Brahman is uh, eternal. The world comes and goes. The Brahman is uh, the reality. The world is its appearance. Amritam, it is eternal, it means immortal, it is immortal. All right, so this is what we have so far. Then, one might say, so what? I remember explaining a lot of Vedanta to, to someone who had come and asked questions about Vedanta. After hearing all of that, this person said in Hindi, that your pure consciousness, witness, everything appears and disappears before you, in you, in consciousness. You alone appear in this universe. This is what is Brahman and you are that. You are Brahman. That thou art. And then this person said in Hindi, To? So? So what? This is a big question here. One might say, quite reasonably, look, let's just... Uh, I'm, I hate to rain on your parade, but this all might be interesting for Shaunaka. Shaunaka asked a question, what is that, sir, by knowing which I can know everything? Um, and 
This is the answer. Now I begin to see it's a beautiful discourse. Now he's giving an answer that there is one thing which is appearing as the world and that you know that one thing, you know the world, you know everything. And this is what is being told so far. But it could be, I am not interested. That might be Shonaka's question, but I am not interested in knowing that thing by which you know everything. I'm interested in the everything. I'm interested in earning money. I'm interested in relationships. I'm interested in improving my life, my health, my psychological health, uh, tuning up my life, leading. Um, this is what I'm interested in. Not these one reality which appears as many so, 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 <laughs> so what? The answer is here. He says, the one who realizes this, realizes this, if you know this, if you know this as the reality that you are, then you overcome the bondage, the knot of ignorance. You cut asunder the knot of ignorance and attain to freedom. Thing is this. As long as I dwell in the effect, as long as I dwell in the many, as long as I dwell in the transient, I will never be free of suffering. I'll be never satisfied. And I'll never be safe. See, we have this tremendous drive for security, safety. That's why I want to live, live. I don't want to die. We have this tremendous drive for knowledge. I must know the point of it all. And with a tremendous drive for satisfaction, pleasure, um, joy, fulfillment. None of those are possible at the level of the effect. None of those are possible at the level of the many. None of those are possible at the level of the non-eternal. As long as we grasp onto this world, uh, we will always be in the grip of death. Everything is changing here, including our bodies, and that which is changing will die. It is for sure that all those we know will one day be gone. And we too, these bodies too, will one day die. All that we accumulate will be lost. If you have accumulated it, if you have added it unto yourself, it will be lost. All that comes will go away. So this is transience. Impermanent, impermanent, all is impermanent. Momentary, momentary, all is momentary. Empty, empty, all is empty. Buddhist Buddhism, 101. So hence, all of this, this state of affairs is what the Upanishad calls the effect, the karya, the world of the many. Whereas if you have the world of the one, Brahman, Purusha, the cause, that is eternal, that will never come and go, that is limitless, that is always fulfilling, because it is limitless. And the most interesting thing is, it is you. Only when you attain that, uh, then you have fulfillment, you have security, you have immortality, freedom from death, death fulfillment, whatever we are seeking in the effect can actually be found in the cause. All right? You've convinced me. Show me the cause. It's you. You are that cause. He says, Etad yo veda. Very important. What is the way to attain immortality? What is the way to go beyond death? What is the way to attain ananda, fulfillment? 
it is knowledge he did not say we have to meditate on it pray to it um you know investigate it scientifically no 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 you have to know it know it how nihitam guhayam which is uh, which is deep in the cave of the heart this is a poetic way of saying know it as you the conscious being as i not the physical body this part of the world not even the mind this part of the world but that witness consciousness which illumines the body mind which illumines the three bodies physical subtle causal sthula sukshma karana which illumines the five koshas annamaya pranamaya manomaya vigyanamaya anandamaya the physical sheet the vital sheet the mental sheet the intellect sheet and the causal sheet bliss bliss sheet all of them illumined by that one consciousness nihitam guhayam in the cave of the heart that one shines that one you are what it means here is it's not an object all the objects are effects that one consciousness is the pure subject it is not it can never be described as it that it's not an object to your senses it's not an object to speech it cannot be speech cannot be used to designate it it's not an object to mind and intellect conceptually conceptual designation will not work then it's beyond our reach not at all it is you so only knowledge can help you knowledge will remove the ignorance that i am not that pure consciousness that ignorance will go away and the pure consciousness is ever shining ever luminous it's self revealed all the time what will happen then by this knowledge knowledge will not reveal to you that you are pure consciousness no 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 it will remove ignorance pure consciousness is self revealed in fact pure consciousness is the only thing that is revealed it is shining forth all the time and because of it our minds can think and our senses can see hear smell taste touch and because of it everything in the world is revealed later on the upanishad will say that shining everything shines by its light everything here is lit up you shining everything shines by your light everything here is lit up so avidya granthim so this ignorance is described as a knot granthi means knot which ties two things together what has been tied here cause and effect have been tied together brahman and the universe have been tied together where in you in me i the pure consciousness have been tied together with mind and body i the limitless have become an individuated um, sentient being become means i appear to be but actually i am not where is the let me ask you this question where is the knot that ties a clay and a pot at which point does the clay meet the pot at which point does the water meet the wave what is the relationship between the effect and the cause between the pot and the clay what is the relationship between the water and and uh, the wave i mean is it is it that the um, pot is contained in the clay is the clay and in that the pot has been set or is the clay in the pot like you put water in the pot milk in the pot you put clay in the pot no is the pot a part of that clay some part of it is called pot no you will find nothing there is literally no relationship between the cause and the effect because the effect and the cause are not two different things it is the cause alone which with a, with a, a network of name and form is called the effect 
give it a particular form, use it in a particular way, and give it a name. Call it pot. Call it a wave. Call it a sentient being. It's literally nothing but clay through and through. It's the wave is nothing but water through and through. You and this entire universe is nothing but Purusha, Brahman, pure consciousness through and through. There's not one other thing here. And yet the magical display of it, my God, what it looks like. <laughs> and all the experiences of samsara going on, good, bad, terrible. Uh, heaven and hell right here. It's nothing but God through and through. Nothing but Brahman, the divinity through and through. Every bit of it. So, if you know this, so avidya granthim vikirati hasomya. When you this is realized that I am Brahman, then the knot of the heart, the ignorance is cut asunder. Um, this ignorance has been described by Shankaracharya in the commentary as uh, this knot is desire, born of ignorance. See, ignorance sounds very academic. I didn't know something. Now I read Mundakopanishad. Now I get it. What is that one thing by knowing which everything is known? So now I know it. That one thing is Brahman, Purusha, Akshar. I know all the words also. Is that it? No. The test is, what will happen is, all those specialized desires which we have generated over lifetimes for the effect. That I like this and I don't like that. And I want this and I am completely against that. Although this and that are at, at their root, the same thing. The necklace and the bracelet. You might have a preference for the bracelet and dislike the necklace. But they're literally the same thing. Imagine if the same gold has been made into the uh, bracelet. So our preference is for names and forms. As long as you know it's the same gold, it's all right. You will not be devastated if the necklace has been... Suppose someone loves the bracelet. Now the bracelet is melted and made into necklace. If someone had no idea that the, it's the same reality. We'll keep on mourning for the loss of the bracelet and keep on lamenting the appearance of the necklace. If that person loved the bracelet and hated the necklace. But if you know, it is the same reality. It looked like a bracelet earlier and it now looks like a necklace. It's the same thing to you. So this samadrishtitva, the sameness in every situation in life, towards everybody in life, to the high and the low, to every occasion in life. It is exactly the same divinity. Then you enjoy the variety. So, you have, then it is no longer dramatically something good and desirable for you, or dramatically something disastrous or horrible for you. From your perspective, it's alright. You will be centered and serene in the, this magical display of the universe, um, which is a product, as he said, of causality, but causality is the magic show. But the reality is this uh, Paramam Amritam, the immortal ultimate reality called Brahman, that you are. So this is the teaching. So the commentary, there's some lines I wanted to read to you. Evam purusha sarvamidam samprasutam, Shankaracharya says. So in this way, in which way? The preceding nine mantras, what we, what we did. In this way, from purusha, the entirety of this universe which you are experiencing has been manifested. So, what is the point here? Purusha is the cause. The universe is the effect. Purusha is the one. The universe is the many. By knowing that Purusha, you know the universe. And thereby answering the original question. Shankaracharya says here, 
कस्मिन्नु भगवो विज्ञाते सर्वमिदम विज्ञातम भवतीति दिस वाज शंकराचार्य कोट्स द ओरिजिनल क्वेश्चन इफ यू रिमेंबर दिस वाज द ओरिजिनल क्वेश्चन आस्क्ड बाय शौनका टू द ऋषि एंड हियर वी हैव फाइनली द आंसर द आंसर शंकराचार्य ही पैराफ्रेजेस एतस्मिन ही परस्मिन आत्मनि सर्वकारणे पुरुषे विज्ञाते पुरुष एवेदम एवेदम विश्वम नान्यदस्तीति विज्ञातम भवतीति so in this um ultimate reality this purusha it has now been revealed as sarvakarana as the one cause of everything since it's the one cause of everything purushe vigyate this purusha being known this one being this one existence consciousness being known purusha evedam vishwam you realize just as that lump of clay is all this pottery that gold is all these ornaments that water is all these waves similarly that one existence consciousness is all this um, universe just as that one mind my own mind became all this in the dream similarly that one existence consciousness has become all this or appears as all this nanya dastiti there is nothing here other than purusha just as in your dream whatever you see whoever you see whatever happens is nothing other than you the dreamer similarly king punaridam vishwam ityuchyate but what is this world quite apart from your purusha brahman atman many say it's it's a world of causality it's basically all the vedic karma you have done the vedic upasanas you have done the result of that is what you see as this world um then he says tasmat sarvam brahma paramritam paramam amritam therefore whatever you experience is that one existence consciousness bliss brahman the ultimate reality why ultimate reality because it is the karanam the cause immortal amritam what do you have to do aham eva iti i alone am that brahman this knowledge yo veda who realizes nihitam sthitam guhayam hridi sarva praninam where do you realize it as yourself how do you do that you start off by seeing not the effect not the effect deny the effect keep on denying the effects till you re- reach something which cannot be denied deny the world deny the body it's not neti neti not the world not the body not the prana not the mind not the intellect not even this vedantic thinking you deny everything what will you reach you'll reach a blankness blank like deep sleep like coma nothing deny that blankness also because that blankness is also appearing to you so what remains is uh, this is a very nice word nishedavadhi the the shores of negation imagine negation to be an ocean which runs up against the shores limit the limit of negation what is the limit of negation what can never be negated the shores of negation nishedavadhi limits of negation the limits of negation the shores of negation are you the ocean of negation comes and smashes against the cliffs of the self of you you cannot be negated this is what descartes discovered 300 400 years ago the upanishadic sages discovered 4000 years ago that the self is the limit of negation you cannot negate your own existence that non object pure subject awareness to which everything appears is the purusha and then again that purusha itself is appearing as all these objects 
अहमेव यो वेद निहितम गुहायाम एंड सर्व प्राणीनाम वेयर डू यू फाइंड दिस वन कॉन्शियसनेस बुद्धि इन योर माइंड वन कॉन्शियसनेस इज रिफ्लेक्टेड इन द माइंड अवेयरनेस व्हिच वी फील इन द माइंड दैट इज द रिफ्लेक्टेड कॉन्शियसनेस वेयर डू यू फाइंड द फेस द प्रॉब्लम विद फाइंडिंग द फेस इज योर ओन फेस सो यू डोंट सी इट सो टू हेल्प अस यू सी ब्रिंग अ मिरर you will see the face but that's not the real face from the reflection in the mirror you have to trace it back to your real face which you will never see but you have to realize i see but i'm not seeing here i'm seeing the reflection similarly look at your own mind the awareness there and that awareness is not the atman it's a reflected awareness which we feel in every vritti in every thought in every perception yeah. in the the seven great sense organ sacrifices which are going on in every sight you see every smell you smell every taste you taste in all of that consciousness is reflected is flashing everywhere that is a reflection that which is shining in all those experiences is i sarva prani nam and it is the same consciousness in all beings it's not hundreds of consciousnesses thousands of consciousnesses it is one consciousness in all beings you and the universe are one reality everybody is one with you even your worst enemy <laughs> everybody is one with you you are literally them they are literally you i mean they one consciousness then what will happen sa evam vigyanad avidya granthim granthim eva dridhibhutam avidya vasanam dikirati vikshipati nashayati iha jivan eva so he says by this knowledge the knot of ignorance is slashed is cut asunder the feeling that i am this body mind limited personality goes away i am limitless consciousness becomes absolutely obvious obvious to whom to in the mind only it becomes absolutely obvious and when when will this happen after what mystical experience in which life in which heaven iha he says upanishad says iha vikirati iha very little word here now now you if you get it right now right now you'll be enlightened if you get it in this life while living he says jeevaneva namritasan while living in this life not after death right now you'll be enlightened and you'll see you are the one reality of the universe once it's done it's done so this is the grand and stunning answer and this will and he will go on in this train amazing mantras are going to come one after another all right let me quickly look at the questions and then so vijay says to talk about discussion of sacrifice when they are talking about sacrifices is it animal sacrifice offerings offerings like ghee especially yes in some special sacrifices there were animal sacrifices but gen- generally the vedic yagyas if you want to know what they are like just look at the homas which are done in big pujas even today it's exactly that thing and on a bigger scale sometimes some of those vedic yagyas are still performed um in india here also in the united states some hindu communities still perform them uh shriram says is the gigantic cosmic being the ek jeeva ek jeeva vada no that is a little different concept here it is the vishwarupa or virat which which is talked about in the 11th chapter of the bhagavad gita vishwarupa darshan Kishore says Upanishad mentions everything arises from Purusha. Is there any mention Upanishad that all these objects are unreal? That is the implication. So let me read out something. Everything arises from Purusha. That much is understood. Upanishad has made it very clear. 
then the implication by various methods shankaracharya says in the lead up to the 10th mantra evam purushat sarvam idam samprasutam in this manner as in the nine mantras so the entirety of the universe physical and subtle external and internal has arisen from the purusha but is it unreal he says ataha uh, uh, he says ataha vacharambhanam vikaro namadheyam anritam purusha ityeva satyam therefore purusha is satyam and this name and form universe is uh, unre unreal or false this ataha is important ataha means therefore he is drawing an implication did the upanishad directly say right now here that all of this is name and form and um, the purusha alone is real the world is an appearance not here though the chandogya upanishad does uh, come closest to it when it says everything in this universe is name and form the atman alone is is real yeah Sudhir says, why is it easy to wake up from dream to waking state? Why it seems very difficult to wake up from the waking state to Brahman? Remember, waking state to Brahman is not um, like from dream to waking state. From dream to waking state is a change of state. We, we cycle from waking to dream to deep sleep to waking to dream to waking again and it goes on. From the waking state to realization that I am Brahman is not a change of state. The waking state continues. So, for example, change of state. Um, you can um, melt the necklace and make it a ring. Melt the ring and make it a bracelet. This is a change of state of the ornament. But the gold continues. To realize it is gold, you don't have to change it. You don't have to make a new kind of ornament and call it gold. No. Whatever the ornament, you have to realize that that one there, you know what is meant by gold. Similarly, the realization here and right now in the waking state, I am Brahman and everything that I am experiencing is Brahman. Is it difficult? Yes. It is difficult in a certain sense. That's why it's taking so long. But we really have to want it. And then Advaita Vedanta is the direct way which, which talks about it most directly. Jennifer. Is it significant that this Upanishad seems to favor the word Purusha instead of Brahman? Multiple words have been used. Remember, the original word used was Akshara. Then here you see Purusha being used and again and again. But here Brahman also has been introduced. So multiple words have been used. Sri Ram says, Swami is Karma Phala, result of Karma Tapas. Yes. Peter says, without existence, where is the name and form of tree or man or woman? Correct. That's what is being said, said here. Without existence, Name and form, nothing exists. They are ghosts. If you take away the clay, where is the form of a pot? And therefore, if the pot doesn't exist, then why use the word pot? The word pot will not refer to anything. It becomes an empty designator without any referent. So, exactly like that. Without being, the whole universe disappears. It becomes ghost-like. There is nothing left. But the important thing to note here is, Someone might say, yeah, but being will never go away. The being is always there. So the universe will always be there. No. Even when the being is there, you have to see there is no such separate thing as the universe. It is that being through and through. It is Brahman through and through. Sangeeta says, all this talk of karma, fall effects of name and form, how are they to be understood? 
stand in front of dispassion. Yes, one has to have strong dispassion for them. Then only all of this will be effective. See, if I have my whole fascination is for the bracelet and I really, really dislike the necklace, then no matter how much you tell me, it's the same thing. I will not agree. Because I have such strong dispositions, the fact that both of them are the same gold doesn't seem to make much impression on me. I'll just say, so, so. The, so in our in the monastery in India, Belurmat, near that, there are these um, uh, fairs once in a while, like a folk fair. And, you know, it's very popular. And so parents take the children there and they have these little dolls. Sometimes these dolls are made of sugar. So a little child goes with her mother, maybe, or her grandfather, and the grandfather is buying the dolls to, for the child. And the child wants that, I want a horse. And the grandfather says, no, but there's no horse. The horse is sold out. Take the camel or the, or the tiger. It's uh, just as sweet. You're going to eat it up anyway later on. It's, it's, <laughs> you play with it and eat it up. So no, and the, and the child kicks up a, a storm saying that, no. I don't like the horse, uh, I don't like the camel or the tiger. I want the horse. Now, it's the same sugar and it tastes the same, but it looks different. And the child wants the horse. It's a tremendous preference for the horse and dislike of the tiger or the, or the camel, though they are not really tigers, camels or horses. They are all uh, the same uh, sugar. So from the enlightened person's perspective, so the grandfather knows, grandfather can see what is meant, what the child means by a horse or a camel or a tiger, but also knows the reality of them. Just like that, the enlightened person can see this world and experience it just as we are seeing it, just as we are experiencing, understands everything as well as we do or even better than us, but knows a deeper truth about this world which we do not. And one reason which keeps us from understanding the deeper truth is our, our strong desires. A strong attachments, uh, negativities about certain things in this world. We don't realize there is an underlying sameness to everything. There's one divine radiance in which this magic show is taking place. Apala is asking, is the materiality of clay and gold qualitatively different from pure consciousness? Um, which appears conceptually more abstract or subtle. First of all, let me tackle that thing. It does not, it appears as more abstract or subtle conceptually. No. Um, it's like saying when you deal with ornaments, for example, and somebody explains all the ornaments are gold and somebody says, look, I understand the necklace. I understand um, the bracelet. But what you are saying, gold, it's like a concept. The reality is the necklace or the bracelet. No, 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 no. Just the other way around. The reality is the gold. The necklace and the bracelet are forms and concepts and language, linguistic use and uh, practical use imposed on the uh, gold. It's like saying, I understand waves and foam and surf. What you call water is an abstraction. No. What you call wave and foam and uh, surf is comparatively an abstraction. Similarly, people and events and objects are comparatively ghosts, abstractions, compared to the one undeniable underlying reality. Once we see that, then it becomes clear. Before that, yes, you're right. Before that, when we talk about all this, this seems to be some kind of very um, subtle abstraction we're talking about, Atman or Brahman. No. Yeah, let me tell you, it's not an abstraction. It's the little more solid than the most solid thing at all. Yeah. 
pure consciousness is qualitatively uh, material. Mm, there's also qualitative difference between what clay represents the constituent of all existence and notion of cause, which implies a temporal relationship of dependent precedence. So notion of cause Im implies a temporal relationship. Notice, even time and space, temporality and spatiality, these are all appearances. For example, in our dreams only, we construct a, we project a dream space. We also have a dream time, which might be long or short psychologically when we wake up. We see that only seconds might have elapsed and we feel a long time has elapsed in the dream. So even time and space and all materiality, these are appearances in and to consciousness. Consciousness is deeper than that. Why call it cause and effect? Ultimately, it will not be called cause and effect. If those who have studied the Aparokshanabhuti, you will know cause and effect is analysis is done. First the effect, you jettison the effect, then you re realize the causality of the cause is lost. That one discern the cause in the effect then jettison the effect then the causality of the cause is lost then you say what remains you remain now you are a muni a sage Sonali says there cannot be any uh, real knot between the real substance and its unreal transient appearances except mistaken understanding. Absolutely. Correct. What is the knot which binds the Atman to the Anatman, self to the not-self, Purusha to its appearance, the world? What is the knot? As one sadhu said, Devkufi Matra Mahatmaji, it's only stupidity. The stupidity is the only knot. Ignorance is the only knot. This is what he has said. Avidya Granthi. Ignorance is the only not. All right. We have gone well over time. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ramakrishna Rupanamastu